Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast, the podcast that passes wisdom from generation to generation, and I'm the host, Coach Furtado. In our episode today, we interview a very special coach. His name is Don Showalter. He is the Director of Youth Development for USA Basketball. I had an opportunity to meet him at a USA Basketball clinic a few months ago, and I'm really happy to interview him and share this with you all because I learned so much about culture, about how to be an effective coach, because this man has gone 62-0 and as a USA Basketball coach, and yes, he has a lot of talent, but he has so much wisdom on how to harness that talent and really build impactful teams that go on and, and just just do so many great things like on and off the court. And finally, just how to get parents on board and really get the most out of being a youth basketball coach. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, Don, and welcome to the Bridging Impact Podcast. I'm thrilled to have our conversation today because I had an opportunity to meet you at the USA Basketball Academy Clinic here in Los Angeles. I was fortunate enough for you to sit at my table and we got to talking a little bit. So I'm glad we're reconnecting and passing that your years of experience in coaching and wisdom along to the next generation of coaches. So welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's it's my pleasure. I know you you have you've had had a lot of really good uh, podcasts and and people on your podcast. So I'm very fortunate and, and honored to be a, a part of your of your many podcasts. So thank you. Appreciate it, Don. So let's let's jump right in. And you know, our first question we ask all of our you know our guests is, what is your definition of impactful leadership? Well, you know, I think that's uh, that that's kind of a hard question to define. I think it's kind of easier to see when somebody has impactful leadership than to define it. But I would Mm -hmm. say that, you know, the the real test of leadership uh, isn't necessarily what one does. Um, I, I think, I think it's more what you can inspire others to do. And I think that's really what leadership is. I mean, you know, we, we talk about leadership and, and how we how we use leadership in many ways or you know the great leaders what do they do well they really inspire others to do a great job of what they do as opposed to more so than what they do uh you know part of that you know a lot of things go into that you know building relationships um being someone who's i think a leader is very approachable in what they do Uh, i think they they know how to communicate very well uh all these go into building leadership their leadership then then i think takes another fork in the road and is very uh service orientated i think great great leaders are are you know they don't let i shouldn't say they, they don't let the ego get in their way you know i mean uh, a leader will do the little things that he expects everybody to do it might be, it might be as little as picking up garbage uh, on a sidewalk that he sees. I mean, that's, you know, that's just part. That's what goes into to leadership, but it also inspires others to do the same thing. And so I think that's kind of uh, how I look at leadership, and and uh, kind of how I kind of how I guide my own leadership responsibilities in that way. 
Yeah, I love that because I'm I'm thinking right now as I hear you talk talking about thinking about like with youth sports, youth basketball in particular, like I just to inspire the next generation of basketball yeah. players to continue to develop and become better players and become better people. And you've obviously had years of experience. And before we kind of dive into the nuts and bolts of leadership, I'd love to you know have you have an opportunity to share your you know basketball coaching story because I'm yeah. sure you know it's probably too hard to condense into one podcast, but I, the floor is yours. Yeah. Well, just, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll keep it, keep it kind of short and hit the main points, but you know, coming out of coming right out of college, uh, I think a lot of us in, in, in sports and athletics that wanted to coach, I don't think we really knew what it took to be a good coach coming out of college. And so I look at young coaches these days, I'm not sure, you know, that they know exactly what it takes to become that really good coach. So I was, I was just like everybody else coming out of college. I, you know, I thought, uh, just give me, a, just give me a good coaching job and I'll, and you know, I'll turn that, I'll turn any program around in a year and we're, we're you know, we're going to have great success. Well, you know, it's not that easy. And, uh, I, I took, I had four high school jobs in my career. Uh, the, uh two of them were, jobs I really had to work hard at building a culture and building a program. And two of them were, were jobs I had to sustain a really good culture and a program. So, so out of those four programs, two of them were really different from the other two. Uh, my first one coming right out of college is I probably didn't know, it, but it was a great position for me because the team, the school I went to had, really had had lost uh i think they were all in 36 in the two years before i took the job and uh uh you know i thought i was going to go in right away and turn the program around and you know after 12 after 12 straight losses i figured hey, this ain't gonna happen quite that quick nope uh, but so i mean i think i think you talk about leadership and you're building relationships and and i think that was a great place for me to start uh because the, whatever i did was going to be okay it was going to be good because they were that the program, the parents, the administration, just searching for a coach who really cared about the kids and the program. And that's what, that's kind of what, uh, what, you know, what, what leadership is all about. And I think um, it really taught me a lot of things as a young coach. Uh, but I was only there for two years. Uh, another job opened up that I really uh, enjoyed. Uh, it was a, uh, it was in a different part of the state of Iowa, and uh, I took the job. It had a, uh, they had been to the state tournament many times. It was a very uh, a program that was extremely well done from little kids on up, and I I had to go in and sustain that program. And so I had, had to kind of turn my thinking around because the coach I replaced was very well liked. He was uh, a really a good person and. And so I really had to do some things in that school uh, to help 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 the culture out, but also to make sure people trusted me. And I think one of the things that you you do as a coach is build trust. And if you build trust, then I think that builds uh, that that builds your program, that builds your culture, because culture culture is based on trust. You know, if parents parents trust you, the players trust you. I think the, the program is built on that trust, and you have a lot 
more buy-in with players and more, more buy-in with parents if that trust is there. So I had to go in and, and build a trust. And, you know, I, be, I tried to build a relationship with parents, uh, let them very open with with players and parents about what we what we tried to do, even though mine was a little bit, you know, my philosophy is a little bit different as far as X's and O's. Um, but eventually we got there. and we, 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 we did really good. I think, I think our program was really uh, very, very, very good um, for those eight years. And I really enjoyed it. And then I had a chance to go back to my alma mater. And uh, I always said, I, I always told coaches, don't take your, don't, don't go back to your alma mater. Do not do it. Uh, I but, it. Yeah, I know. But I did it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it was a situation where I, when I was there, I, I uh, we, we had a very good, very good teams when I played there. We were state tournament teams when I played there. Uh, fortunately, I was a very good player uh, for my alma mater. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the people in the community uh, kind of bought into it right away. I mean, they, you know, just just on what you did as a player, I think helped me as as a coach in, in my own community. And and to be real honest with you, had they not, had I not, had I not been offered a good job, my wife been offered a good job, we probably wouldn't have taken it. But they offered us both jobs, and our our kids grew up around you know uncles and aunts and grandparents and all those kind of things. So it, it was really a, a good move for us, and uh, it was one of those where I look back on and. Uh, for 28 years, we were there, and uh, I said maybe I'll go back, be there for five years and move on. But uh, it just it, it was really a good it was really good for for myself, our family, helped me grow as a coach. Um, and then my last job uh, was a was at a very it was a, it was one of the largest jobs in the state. It was a very diverse school. Uh, the athletic program was unbelievable they were rated as one of the top 50 athletic programs in the nation at iowa city high wow. uh, but the other end of that is every program was really good except for boys basketball for some reason i mean they won state championships in in, in track and field and cross country and football and girls basketball and wrestling and i mean down the road down you can go down the line but for some reason boys basketball was just not in that picture and so, again, uh, I went back to kind of my, my first job out of college where I had to re, re, kind of redo this whole program, build a new culture, try to get, you know, try to get kids uh, trust in what I was going to do, try to get parents in that same, same order. So, but it was really an excellent uh, – it was, it was great for me. I loved the diversity. I loved, I loved the, the building of that program. I loved how to – really put sink my teeth into every detail of how I was going to get that program uh, to a new level. And uh, I, I think we did. I mean, we won some games that, uh, at the end that we had no business winning, and I think the kids bought into what we wanted to do. So that's kind of my, my, my uh, life, life, in a, <clears throat> life on a, a napkin, so to speak, in, in the four different high schools. And, and during that time, then I, I I did a lot of work with USA Basketball as well, so that kind of got me started with with that aspect of it. So, uh, yeah, that was it. Was all four were great times, and I really enjoyed it. That's beautiful. 
Yeah, before we dive into your the USA basketball portion of your career, I, I'm honestly really curious about, you know, you talked a lot about building trust and building a culture. I'm curious what that looks like um, for you. And obviously, it probably looked different from when you started when you were right out of college to once you had a little bit more experience. But if you could share for, you know, coaches like myself, like I'm a big culture person and like I try and be intentional, but I'm always trying to learn how to be as intentional as possible to build as much trust and build like a really strong and positive culture. Well, I think the first thing is, you know, uh, the definition of culture in, in my idea of what culture is definition of cultures is how you do things pretty simply how you do things and how I do things might be different than how you do things or somebody else does things, but, but that's your culture. So, um, I think if you're trying to establish a culture, it's how you want things done within an organization. And I don't care. I mean, I, I had the opportunity to speak to in front of CEOs at at, at, uh, at major organizations, and really, that's what it is. I mean, you you know, you want to build you want to build a culture based on what what you want done on a daily basis. And, you know, it's not a dictatorship. It's, you know, you do it, you do it from a standpoint of, Hey, we're, you know, we're definitely all in this together. And here's, here's what we're going to do together. And I think if, if players and parents see you, you do these, you know, they see you in a, in a, in a light where, where they're watching you build this program. I mean, they're seeing you work hard at it. And, and I think that that's the first thing that builds trust. I mean, if you're going to say, all right, let's, let's, uh, you know, we're, let's, for instance, let's, let's have Jim will be open for two hours and you go open it up and, you know, after 20 minutes, you close it down. Well, you know, obviously that's not, that's not going to build your culture. Uh, and, and how you do these things is, is, is how you build the trust. So, so kind of in a nutshell, I think that's that's really the the form that that culture and a program takes. Now, there are a lot of things that I think you can do that I think that I've learned over the years that really help build that trust and culture. For instance, on my on my last job at Iowa City, I I did uh, I made home visits with every parent before the season started. And um, just because simply they, you know, they had no, they didn't know me. Uh, many of my players didn't have two parents. Uh, many of my players didn't have, uh, some of them didn't even have a parent. They lived with a grandmother or an uncle or whatever. So I think I had to establish myself as somebody who really cared about the players. And that, that was the first thing I did to show, you know, how much I cared about uh, each player. I went and visited, visited them in their homes. I talked about our program. I talked about, uh, you know, what I would like to see from you know, our players off the court, um, my expectations, uh, standard. I use the word standards a lot because standards, rule, rules to me are meant to be, are kind of a negative connotation. I think standards have a very positive connotation. You're trying to get to a standard. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to get your program to a standard. So, we talked a lot about standards. I think that that was the first thing I think that really helped me establish trust with parents is those home visits. Um, and, you know, I, I think that for me, that was really uh, an important piece 
uh, to establish trust. And then once the parents, I think once you kind of get the parents on board, then the then the players uh, kind of get the idea that it, you know this guy is, you know, he, he's a little bit different than other coaches. And I always say, you know, to be better, you have to be a little different or a little uncommon. I mean, you have to do some things that are uncommon or different if you want to be better. I mean, if we if I, if, if we as coaches or players, if we did the same thing everybody else does, we wouldn't be we wouldn't grow. We wouldn't be different. So what is, it, what is it that I'm going to do that's a little bit different, a little bit more uncommon uh, than uh, uh, another coach would do? Well, that was one of those things, make, make home visits. Um, I'm a big one for uh, writing handwritten notes and mail them. I, th- I, think that's, I think that sends a huge message to people who get, yeah, I think it's, that sends a huge message to people who uh, – who are who who you want to build a relationship with and it shows that you take time you take some effort to send that note and uh of all the things i do i think i tell young people i think that's probably one of the one of the one of the main things that that i do that that helps the culture and the program itself um you know the other the other things are, are very simple for instance make sure you know the names of of parents and players you know i mean people like to be called by their name they love to hear their name called instead of saying uh, uh sir or whatever which is fine but you know they like to be called you know mr who and oh mr so-and-so or, or jim or whatever once you that that also takes makes them take a note note that you have done your homework and that you can build some of that trust uh, just by just by knowing names of the people that you come in contact with and I, to tell you the truth, I've gotten a lot better at that over the years. I was not very good at that as a young coach, uh, simply because I didn't think it mattered. Um, but I, I think the longer I've coached, uh, the more, the more really more it matters. So those are just some of the things that I did to try to establish a little bit of a culture trust factor. Uh, you know, then as a coach, I think as we as we progress with our culture, you know, it's what you do. So I, I think. Kids have to see, have to feel comfortable in what you're doing every day. And if they know, if they know what to expect every day, I think they have a high level of trust in, in what you're doing. Um, uh, you know, come to practice, you know, they know, you know, they they're very familiar with with your with your practice sessions. And as you go on, obviously, you're going to have to hold kids accountable for, for different things. Um, but at the same time, I say every, every player uh, earns their fairness. Um, so, you know, a kid who is two or three minutes late, has never been late before, is, is great in the classroom, I might treat that a little different than a guy who's always pushing the buttons and is, is you know, right on time or, or a minute or two late every day. So I think they earn their fairness. And we talk about that with, with our players. Uh, you know, you, you, you and it's the same way with the, in a big corporation uh, or a school district. You know, I think I think people that work uh, for for a great leader understand that you know he's going to be fair, uh, not necessarily going to be give equal treatment. And uh, I think kids can relate to that. 
I think those are all really fascinating points. And so for me, I kind of want to, I guess, you know, reiterate back some of the, the number one points that I'm hearing. I'm hearing like it's feeling comfortable in what they do every day. They have a consistency, right? Coach shows up consistently every day. He runs, he or she runs practice like this, like this is his energy level. And then to go further than that, like, I just know he cares. And I feel like that's one big thing that I'm really like hearing as a message coming through is like, obviously you have to really care about the athletes and, and honestly the yeah. families and about, you know, their lives in the future and after basketball, if you're going into their homes. And so for me yeah. as a, as a coach now, I'm, you know, I have a personal question. Like I give a little bit of context. I'm, I'm going to be the frost off coach at, at Venice high school that's coming up. And I, I've been right. doing some summer work. I've got an opportunity to meet some of the incoming freshmen who, you know, he's going to try out, but I, I'm yeah. a part of a program, right? I'm not the program leader. So I'm curious, you know, and I've had conversations with the varsity coach, but what do you think sure. is like, you know, what advice would you give me for like building kind of an, a culture for the freshman and sophomore to kind of fall under the bigger umbrella of, of Venice high yeah. school. Yeah. Well, I, I think your role is, is extremely important because uh, for one thing, I mean, uh, my assistants, my assistants were, were, were great because they weren't necessarily yes, man. You know, I don't think you can have um, a seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade coach who, who just, who just agrees with everything. I mean, I want to hear thoughts about, you know, I want, I want to be challenged by you a little bit. Uh, hey, if you, if you, if you don't like something particularly, you know, let's discuss it. You know, we're, we're, we're never going to, we're never going to agree on everything. I don't want us to agree on everything, but, but understand that as a head coach, I'm going to have the last call on this, but I want to hear from what you think, what you deal with at the ninth grade level. Uh, as well, but I think it's really important that you know you you have some say or you feel comfortable in your position enough that you can uh, that you can you can visit and have some input about the direction your program is going. And, and maybe you know from your standpoint, uh, I, I would ask a lot of questions from from. Uh, from your from your head coach, or even or even from uh, your players. I mean, you know, I think players give you really good insight if we ask them and we listen to them. You know, uh, and and I give I give my players a lot of uh, decision making on things that don't make much don't, uh, on things that really don't really don't make much difference. You know, what do you, what do you want to wear today to school on game day? Uh, you know. You know, we're going to go out for team dinner. What you know? Where do we want to go? Those kind of things. I think gives them some satisfaction of that you're 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 letting them have some decision making uh, in this in this whole thing too. So, so I mean, I think you can do a lot of things on on what uh, uh, at your level, and you're you're kind of establishing your own program because I, I assume you practice by yourself right. with with your ninth grade, yeah, and. And I always tell my seventh, eighth, and ninth grader coaches, you know, you you are probably I want you to be the best coaches in my system, right. because when I get players from you guys, I want them to know these things, you know, um, pick and roll defense, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so if you're not sure what your head coach wants, I think you need to make sure, hey, what what do you want me to teach at this in this case, or or you know, 
or, or he'll say, hey, just teach whatever's comfortable to you. And, I, and that's kind of what I do with my, my younger, younger coaches, too. I gave them enough freedom to teach what they felt really comfortable with. Uh, within some guidelines. Right. Okay. No, and that makes sense. So I appreciate that. But um, I guess I want to re-gear the conversation more towards your USA basketball, you know, towards career. And you have the privilege of, you know, you just got back from Italy recently of being able to go around the globe. And I'm curious, I want to shift towards like just the youth development and basketball development world. Like what are the biggest things that you have seen change in, let's say, the last last decade? Well, I, I... I think, and I get asked that question a lot. I, I think I think players are probably much more skilled than they were ten years ago, five years ago. I mean, just from a skill standpoint, I think the teams are not as good. Interesting. As I go watch teams teams play, uh, I don't think I don't think they're as good as they were five or ten years ago. But I definitely think the players are much more skilled now than than they ever were. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with a couple things. I mean, they all have, you know, there's there's a lot of kinds of trainers and, and guys who, you know, are so-called, you know, trainers or work guys out. Or, and and I say, so I think kids are really spending more time on skill work and skill development, which is good, but they're not spending, they're, it's all their time is usually spent with the basketball. Very little time is spent doing what to do without the ball. And as I travel international-wise and watch international teams play, and, and when we when we play international teams, I, I think their their sense of how to play basketball is probably better than ours a lot of times because of the fact they, they do things that are really good without the ball. They know how to move without the ball, or a lot of our kids will, will pass and just stand and watch. And what that does then is that gives – the guy with the ball gives him. They're they're telling him, "Hey, do what you do with the ball." And you know he's going behind the legs and between the, you know, around the back and and throwing up a crazy shot. So I, I think we have kind of uh, need to need to get back on track. And as I watch trainers train, uh, very very few of them really work on what to do without the ball, but without the basketball. So I think that's one thing. And then I think the second thing is our kids just don't play anymore like they used well like we used to. Right. You know, I go to I go to Rucker Park in New York and West Fourth Street when I'm in New York looking f- to watch some games and there a lot of times there's not there's none going on. And that used to be the place that the kids learned how to play and not only how to play, but they learned how to compete. Mm. You know, you you get five guys on a court and if you lose, you're off the court, and you may not you may not not even get back on the court for an hour or two. So you really learn how to compete. Secondly, if you're a young player on one of those teams, and you know, I mean, I, I'm I guess I'm I'm way old enough to figure this to watch to watch kids develop on the playground. But but you know, if I if I'm uh, a younger player and I'm playing with some older guys. First of all, I, uh, I never shoot the ball. That can never shoot. You know, you don't shoot the ball. You play defense hard, and you learn how to play defense, and you pass the ball. So now you you know how to play because of who you're playing with. You know how to make others better, 
and and being a young player now, you know you know what it takes to be a, a good role player. Mm. Hey, I got to do this, or the or the older guys, you know, the seniors, and I'm a sophomore. They're never going to let me play with them again. You know, if I come in and take shots that are crazy, you know, that's the last time I'm going to be able to play with this group of seniors. So I think a long answer to your question is we're better skilled. Teams are less gifted because they don't because players really don't know how to play without the basketball. Secondly, I think our in order to, we don't know how to compete at a high level all the time. Our kids aren't aren't used to that. Uh, I think that's taken away some of the really good pieces that make up a player. That's interesting that you bring that up. So I'm curious, like, I'm kind of a big picture thinker. So I'm kind of like almost like giving you the keys. And if you were to like, you know, develop a whole new basketball program, what would like be your like top three priorities of, of order of business to create yeah. like a very successful program in your eyes? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I think there's, there's really, uh, there's eight skills that I think are, are very necessary to teach shooting, ball handling, dribbling, uh, footwork, uh, passing, rebounding, and screening. And then you put those whole offense and whole defense are, are seven and eight. So when I work on, when I work on skill development with shooting, and, you know, we'll, we'll put a lot of combo drills together with footwork, shooting, and passing, those kind of things. But I think when you when you work on a skill work skill development, then I think you have to put them in a. To me, the best the best place to put those players in is a three three on three competition, because now what that does it raises the level of skill that you've just been working on. It puts it in, in a competitive mode, and three on three is really good because it is a, a game where all three guys are accountable. They all they all touch the ball most of the time. They can't hide from from anybody else. If something you know, if I get beat on defense, there better be a guy helping, or or it's going to show up as a layup. So I think three on three elevates the skill development of a player. I mean, you just have skill development. That's great. Uh, you can work on your shooting and re- rebounding, but you put them in a three on three. Now you are improving those skills in a competitive setting, more so three-on-three than five-on-five. So I I think that's, to us with USA Basketball, we have really implemented a lot of three-on-three work and four-on-four in our practices. I think that's been tremendously helpful to what we do with skill development. Um, Again, I think it enhances what you do with with skill development because now you're you're taking the shots you work on. You're putting it under in a competitive situation. So that's a, that's probably the first thing I would do in, in, as I look at my practice session. And uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, your practice session is what's going to show up in a game. So I always say you cannot you can't be great at ten things, but you can be really good at three of them. So what are those three things you're going to be really good at? You know, it might be, it might be, it might be your fast break offense. It might be your full court defense press. It might be rebounding. But but figure out 
what your team is going to be really good at, three things you're going to be really good at. And that's kind of what you have to hang your hat on. You obviously want to get better at the other things, but to be really good, those three things you got to be really good at. And that's kind of what, you know, that's kind of how you're going to structure uh, your practices and, and really your season. And, and that makes that makes your culture uh, really good because if I would come and watch you practice, I would say I would come away from your practice and say, wow, you know, these are three things that you emphasize that your kids are really pretty darn good at. So, um, you know, again, kind of a long answer to what you said, but uh, your, your the structure of how you develop those skills, I think, is really important. And we and our practice sessions are always divided into thirds. We go a third on skill development, a third on whole offense, a third on whole defense. And that doesn't, let's say you have an hour of practice, that doesn't mean you put 20, 20 straight minutes of skill work. That means you, during practice, you're going to put 20 minutes in. So I might do five minutes skill work as a warm-up, then go right into my whole defense press situation and come back with maybe a five-minute shooting drill that I want to get done and, and intersperse those. So, uh, and I have always said that I think the teams I've coached have gotten much better as the season goes on. Uh, and by the time tournaments come around, we're probably playing the, the best we can play, whatever level that is. But I think that's because of the fact that we spend a third of our practice in skill development. Uh, as I go watch coaches now, I don't see much skill development going on at times, especially toward the end of the season. And I just think that's a big – I think that's a mistake because I think teams get better because of the emphasis on skill work from practice one through practice 80 or whatever it is. Right. Focusing on their development. I mean, of their skills. Right. Cause I think sometimes, you know, coaches get really too caught up in the plays and, you know, X, Y, Z, and they yeah. kind of forget about what happens when some of those plays and even on defense, when some of those things go out to go out the water, you know, are they, do they know how to compete? Yeah. Like do, are their skills, are they sharpened? Is it iron? Right. So all those things that kind of culminate and yeah. come together. So with that, I'm really curious, you know, what your thoughts are on how coaches can really like focus on making the most, like you touch a little bit, but making the most out of their practice time and, and time in the gym. Cause I feel like, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned as a, as a young coach, and you, you talked about kind of the importance of strength. And I think like focusing on team strengths, but as a coach, you have to make a decision. Okay, if I work on rebounding here, it means I don't work on another skill here, right? Like, yeah. I think that's a big thing. And even in life, right? Like, I make a decision yeah. to eat this, I don't eat that. So can yeah. you talk about, like, how you really intentionally right. build out a practice structure? Yeah, well, uh, let me give some general general practice things for coaches. First of all, uh, coach, we, we as coaches talk way too much in practice. We, you know, you know, if you're going to really build habits, habits are a result of repetitions. So we can't, we're not going to give a whole explanation of a 10 minute or 15 explanation every time we want to, we want to work on a skill. We, we give it in what I call sound bites. You know, we're going to give, all right, you know, 
here's here's one thing we're going to emphasize on rebounding or shooting. Give it to a set and then get into the repetition. Then learn how to coach while the reps are going on. So, uh, for instance, a good coach, uh, your your kids learn different. So I think good, I think great coaches will explain what they want done in, in a short two or three sentence thing. Then I think they're going to demo it, have somebody demo it, or, or they'll demo it themselves. So they'll demonstrate what they want done. So, for instance, if I'm working on footwork, I want to explain, all right, uh, I want you to take two dribbles, make a jump stop. I want to make a left foot reverse pivot. Some kids are going to get that. Some kids aren't. So I say, okay, Johnny, quickly, you want to, can you demonstrate that for us? Johnny says, yeah, I'll demonstrate. He dribbles out, does, does it correctly. Now everybody sees it. So we've, we've explained it. We showed it. Now we're going to get the reps in. And we're going to rep it. And we're going to rep it. Uh, and, and depending on the level of, of skill, you might rep it for five minutes. Uh, with my nine-year-old team uh, uh, that I sometimes coach in practice, we might rep it for 10 minutes. All right, then we're going to crack the reps. We might say, all right, now, here's, here's two things I want to see better done. And so then, then we correct it, then we rep it again. So it's really kind of a five-step process of being a great teacher, great coach. You explain it, you show it, you rep it, you you uh, you correct the reps, then you rep it again. And I think we the, the the better coach I became was when I could do that as they were doing the drill, without having them without them stop everybody. All right, here's the you know here's next step to it. Hey, let's let's get her done while the drills are going on, and that's where my assistants came in so much. And you know, I would have them dispersed throughout where we were doing the drills. They would make sure that you know they were coaching as well. It wasn't just coming from from me coaching. So then, I think from then on, you, you know, uh, if you take that piece of it, now you're not over talking. You're getting into reps, which builds habits. Then you can go from there into competitive type of situations, three-on-three, four-on-four, or whatever, which I think you have to really get into in order to get that competitive nature correct. Second thing I would say is make sure that as a coach, and I did not do this very well as a a young coach, but, but who controls the pace of your practice? Well, the players want to control the pace of your practice. You know, they're going to walk to the next drill. They're going to take, you know, they're going to take an extra 30 seconds at a water break uh, or, or, you know, just whatever. As a coach, no, I'm going to, I'm going to control the pace of this practice. You know, so if you're walking, I you know I always, I start to count backwards, five, four, three, and they better be getting that next drill. If I get to zero, I'm not sure what I would do, but I would do something, maybe, you know, push-ups or run a little bit because, they the, the pace that you want is different than right. the pace they'll give you. And I, I don't care what level you're coaching. If I'm coaching elite kids at the national team level, they do the same thing. So I think it's really important that the coach is controls the pace of the practice and how they want it done. Um, and and I, I know there's times where you have to take more time in in you know in showing an out of balance play or or whatever. But at the same time, you know, we can show an out of bounds play to one group while the other group is, is doing a shooting drill with my assistant and then switch them. So you, you're, you don't have kids standing around. My biggest pet peeve 
is is having kids just stand around because half of them aren't listening. Uh, when we have them stand around, we always have they're on a line, they're, they have their arms grasped with each other, so they're they're in a in, in a it's it's like it's almost like they're in a T mode, you know, uh, and they keep each other accountable that way. So, so uh, you know, from that standpoint, I think we as coaches have to really do a great job. As I, you know, I go watch the Jay Wrights of the world practice and Tom Izzo's, and, and they do a great job of, of boy, they, the pace is all theirs. You know, the players aren't walking. The pace is all theirs. And at the end of two hours, you know, the, there's no there's no need for conditioning because the pace has already been set. And uh, it takes it takes a while, I think, for for a coach, especially a young coach, to kind of figure out how that's done. Um, I tell coaches, you know, your 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 young men, your teenagers and younger middle school, they have about a seven second uh, attention span. So if you if you're talking for five minutes, you've already lost them for fifty-three yeah. seconds. You know, so you, better, yeah. you better learn how to 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 teach and coach in short sound bites and get those reps in and and keep them moving from one to the other. Uh, because that that also really really allows them to focus in, creates a really good practice situation where where they're, they're focused in and and really know. No, I think that that's really helpful, and I a big pet, pet peeve of mine too because I like I supervise some other coaches, and I you know sometimes they'll they'll do a rep or a drill, and there's too much standing around, and I think you know kids have to be active, and and I got the seven second thing from the training that I you know the the basketball or usa basketball clinic that i went to so i really i and and i and i know i've worked with kids like outside of basketball and outside of sports and it's literally the same thing so it's a lot of it's just like transferring that over yeah and it's interesting because you know when i talk to to organizations and and you know adults ceos you know they don't understand that you know when they're given a lecture when they're when they're given a lecture to adults (laughs) for an hour and a half, two hours, yeah. I mean, you know, they've lost them. You know, they got to get them involved in what's going on, uh, interactive type of thing. So I think that's, I think that's huge for, for developing your culture for one thing, but also, also developing skill level in a game like situation where the kids are moving all the time and perform those functions. At a pretty 100%. high level. So I kind of want to shift gears towards the, you know, the latter half of our conversation. I just want to ask, you know, what is one of your, your favorite memories or coaching stories um, from, from your, you know, your past? Oh boy. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, there's a lot of really neat things that, that, that happen in coaching. I mean, you know, I've, I've been, I coach, the 42 years, the high school level. And then, then my years during the same time with the junior national team. So, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, you have, you know, the big wins are just euphoric, you know, you, you win a game to go to the state tournament. I mean, that, which does not happen, you know, obviously every year. So I think those are, those are all those times you, you win those games are just completely, you know, off the charts. The, the one the the last second shot wins against a big rivalry, you know I've had some of those, and those just 
you know, they just burn in your memory as, as something that, boy, what a what a great feeling that was. But also, you know, some of the some of the things that I really appreciated about, uh, you know, I've had teams that that are, you know, maybe finish, you know, like thirteen and ten or or just, but but they were the most. They probably exceeded my expectations. Every day they came to work hard. They had a great attitude. You know, those, those are those are the teams you remember as well. Uh, and then, of course, with USA Basketball, you know, the, the great teams we've had there, the, the 2018 U17 team I had, we had six, six top ten draft choices on that team with Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, uh, Scotty Barnes, uh, Isaiah Stewart, Isaac O'Coral. You know, the, those those guys were tremendously coachable, wanted to win, had that had that extra level of competitive nature to them. So, you know, those are the teams you remember as well. So I, having just one one image is kind of hard when you have as many, you know, when you coach as many years as I have. Uh, but, but, you know, you also have some really devastating losses, I think, that we learned a lot from that, that you know, players – you know, players come back. It's interesting because uh, uh, a, a friend of mine who, who 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 just finished writing a book about uh, really about my life as a as a coach uh, did a lot of interviews with probably a uh, hundred or more former players, and and uh, I say this because what they remember is remarkable. Yeah, I don't I don't remember a lot of stuff that they, that they remember. You know, just the little things that uh, that that they remember uh, about what happened on our on their team, and you know the bonding that occurred, and and what we did as a team. Just you know, some sometimes those those are just uh, fantastic to to think about and 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 read about because I I've forgotten all about those kind of things. But boy, individual players for what they remember, and as a coach, it really brought me kind of. Uh, back to where my roots were. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't think this meant anything to anybody. And all of a sudden, these players remembered it years and years and years later. So, uh, what we do makes a big difference. What we what we do as coaches makes a huge difference. And uh, you know, that doesn't mean we can't be as coaches. We can't be uh, tough on our kids and and teach and coach. Uh, I always say, be demanding, but don't be demeaning. You know, players don't want to get, you know, uh, demeaning. And, and I say this right away because you want to build some trust. You know, the, the surest way to not build trust is to be demeaning because then they will have no trust in you. And uh, uh, but they but players want to get better. I mean, you know, the Jalen Suggs and Scotty Barnes world, they want to get better. You know, so they want you to coach them. And uh, uh, as you coach them, you know, you demand a lot out of them. But. Certainly, you're not going to demean. Yeah, it's about it's about bringing them up and demanding that high standard that you were talking about at the very beginning of, of the podcast, talking about building culture. So, yeah. with that being said, um, that's yeah. I I knew that asking for one story would just be it would be way too challenging. But I, I appreciate I appreciate you sharing you know those those highs of moments when you hit those game winners and you know those challenging losses where you where you talk about you know you beat them 
beat the beat the rivals there, but you lose to a rival when you're supposed to win and they rush the court and you know, they're kind of rubbing it in your face. Like those moments are ingrained and seared into your head forever and you know obviously i'm still young enough to remember those moments as as, you know when i was an athlete because i have more athlete experience than i do coach experience right now but um it's just that that's also the beauty of sports and i just love how you know you're talking about like for me like i i it's kind of natural gravitated back to coaching and just like all my memories all my life lessons they're all from sports and it's funny because now i like play pickup with some of like my summer camp coaches and you know it's it's so fun to see them so with that being said um what what is your final yeah go you know i was just gonna say you know you bring out you know you bring out something i think is really important as a, as a coach, especially coaching young kids, the number one thing that we want yeah. to do is have them love the game. I mean, somebody, somebody right. has made us love the game. You know, uh, it, you know, it was my sixth grade coach. He made me love the game. Somebody made it. So that's why we're we're stayed in basketball. That's why we stayed in coaching. So, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna have kids that want to uh, improve in their game, they have to love the game. Because I tell our players all the time, you know, you're you're not you're you're not going to get become a better shooter just if you only shoot during our two hour practice. It's not going to make you a great shooter. You're going to have to love the game enough to get to do some shooting on your own, or do some skill work on your own, or, or whatever it is, and meaningful skill work. Have a plan with what you do. You know, as as a, as a as a young player, I love the game so much. You know. I mean, I had a plan exactly what I wanted to accomplish. And, and I think that's, as we relay that to kids, I think uh, that's important. 100%. Yeah, it's well. passing that wisdom along of, like, the love for the game. And then if you really love it and you really want to keep getting better, here here you go. Here are the tools. I'll help yeah. you get from point A to point B. So you might, exactly. my final question for you yeah. would be, before I ask you, you know, where can people come where people can find you is like, what would your final pieces of advice be for the next generation of coaches? Well, I think don't, don't get on a fast track of Mm. where you think you want to be. In other words, I, you know, as a young coach, uh, you know, I call it destination addiction. Don't get destination addiction. In other words, you know, I want to get to a spot. Maybe I want to be a college assistant or college head coach. But but you but you can't bypass steps. In other words, if you don't do a great job with my with your ninth grade team, chances are you're never going to have a chance to do a great job with any other team. So you have to really do a great job at where you're at. You know, make that make that the most important place where you're at. My first two years. At Lone Tree, Iowa, I was, you know, I was coaching teams that, that did not, couldn't win. But you know what? I was never looking ahead to another job because that that was a job that was most important to me. So young coaches, I think, get and even young people, you know, destination addiction. Something's always better. Whether it's a, you know, I want a better car, I want a bigger house, I want to, you know, well, take care of business where you're at because I think that's the most important thing to get to another place in your life. Uh, so I, I, that's one thing I tell young coaches all the time. And, then, and secondly, then, I think you, you need to really have a, 
philosophy about how to build your culture uh, with the team you have. And, and a little bit goes on, you know, a little bit goes with what I just said uh, and, and how you're going to get to the culture you want is not going to happen overnight. So you have to do it on a daily basis. I mean, you got, you got kind of got to fight for your culture on a daily basis because you're going to have players and kids and parents and administration that maybe don't agree with the path you're taking. You know, you have to really fight for your culture uh, on a daily basis. And, uh, and unfortunately, I think sometimes that drives coaches out of coaching. Uh, when, 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 they meet a little when they meet a little uh, resistance with without challenges and obstacles are part of it, and I think you know I'm going to sear that into my mind. I never heard of destination addiction, but as a young person myself, I definitely am more than guilty of of it. Like, oh, I can't wait for this to start. I can't wait till I get here. Till I get here, and that's one thing that I've yeah. I've personally been working on, just like with with coaching and with podcasting and you know like i previously i had a podcast before but i got so frustrated with it because it wasn't growing at my destination desire right and now i have i get way less yeah, listens yeah. than i used to but i'm a lot happier because i'm just enjoying this conversation like this is a this is a joy if i have five people listen 10 15 it doesn't matter i'm just thrilled to have this conversation yeah. so um which I feel like is a perfect way to end this. And I really appreciate your time. Where can people, you know, find a little bit more about yourself and, and the resources of USA basketball or anything else you'd like to share with the coaches and, and other leaders listening? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, my Twitter account, I have a fairly large following on my Twitter account. I give out, nice. I give out mind candy daily, uh, or mind candy, uh, you know, just phrases that I think are really important to, for coaches. But uh, they can follow me at, at dshow23, uh, dshow23. And uh, everything I post generally is basketball-related, except I do post some pictures of great steaks that I have. So when I go eat, steak, when I go eat steaks, I, I'll post those pictures at times. But, but that's one way to follow me. Uh, I think, you know, usab.com can follow uh, at, with USA Basketball. We have a number of events going on all the time that I think would interest coaches. Academies, we have three academies coming up this fall um, in Dallas, New York, and uh, Orlando and that people want to, you know, be a part of. That'd be great. Uh, we have, we'll have about, we, have, we already have our fall, our fall academies are, are uh, generally larger, more attended than our spring ones, uh, I think. Fall is kind of the time that coaches are looking to the next year, but we'll have over 200 coaches at most of our academies this fall. Uh, we also have what we call a goal camp for uh, players that are a little bit higher level, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. We had one over over Memorial Memorial Day in in Richmond, Virginia. We got one in Omaha over Labor Day. So any coaches that have seventh, eighth, or ninth graders uh, that are going into seventh, eighth, or ninth that think that they can have Maybe a possibility of being some a little special, a little bit better than the average athlete. 
uh, check that out because we'd love to Beautiful. have them. No, thank you so much. And I, I honestly, I'm really grateful that I went to the USA basketball clinic over here in Los Angeles. Cause I, you know, personally, I, I learned, I learned a lot. I got to meet a lot of other coaches and obviously, you know, I, I, we had this, the, a partnership now with USA basketball and the company that I work for Royal yeah. basketball. So um, really appreciate your time and appreciate the work you're yeah. doing and, and impacting the kids and coaches. Awesome. Appreciate your appreciate what you do. I, I think, you know, like you said, sometimes we take for granted, you know, oh, there's not that many coaches that are paying attention. But I think in the long haul, we're 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 surprised and, and pleasantly surprised at how many coaches really uh, take a notice to what we're doing. Thank you, Don. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast. We'd love it if you would like subscribe leave a comment and a review on whatever platform you're on it's the best way to help us grow we appreciate you for doing that we'll shout you out on social media i'd also love if you connected with me on social media let me know your thoughts and this is why i do it i want to share knowledge and wisdom from experienced leaders to people like yourself and myself so we can have this dialogue and move forward and make an impact on the world so stay tuned stay subscribed Cheers.